0: I'm hit I'm hit here we go what's up y'all i am chris Chaos welcome back to the show man it is me and chris we are in the mix welcome back man how's it going what's going on I'm hit i mean i missed missed last week had a, uh,
1: an emergency dog sitting situation that needed to be taken care of. So I wasn't home. So I'm glad to be back in the chair, you know, just you and I for, for this show, but we're going to do
0: our best to hold it down. We're going to hold it down. Good man. Cause this is what we do. But you know what, Chris, uh, you know what? Okay. Everybody don't do not tune out. Okay. Just because I know this is a football show, but real life always trumps football and, mm-hmm. Yesterday being Tuesday, this show was being recorded on Wednesday, um, the tragedy in Texas. I, I got to touch base only because I'm really starting to get pissed off and so a lot of people. And I understand, OK, you know, the mass shootings everywhere that's happening. It's, it's a tragedy every time the loss of life happens. But where I get extremely angry and it's not to say that all life doesn't matter because it does but don't fuck with kids, man. And, and this is my biggest thing. I am a father. I take my kids to school every single day and to believe and my heart just breaks for these parents that they woke up that day to take their kids routinely to school. And then they weren't able to come home that night. And, and that's where I I'm getting extremely angry. Just don't fuck with kids in any manner it's just, it, I just, I'm. it's an unconceivable notion in my brain that a human being, and I can't even call this individual human being can wake up in the, and, and, you know, plan this out to do this kind of terror on, on families. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sick of it. I'm tired of seeing it. My prayers and thoughts to all those families up in Texas, because I mean, and I mean, going back to even Buffalo with the seniors and the, in the mass shooting there, I mean, it's it just, it's, it's got to stop, man. Like enough is enough. I, I, you know, this isn't for me to sit here and tell anybody, you know, how they should operate with having guns and being a responsible gun owner. I'm not even going to get involved with that. I'm just sick and tired of the loss of life that doesn't need to happen, especially when it comes with kids. Absolutely. And where, while I'm not
1: a parent, I can only imagine how much heavier this weighs on those that are because when something like this happens, that's something that that very next day, you know, all parents are going through. As far as you know, is my child safe? What is going to happen? Um, and just, I mean, from what I read, I believe it was this happened on what was supposed to be, you know, like the the last or second to last day of school, mm. and it just it's it, it's tough. It's tough to talk about because it is absolutely heartbreaking. And you're absolutely right. You know, like everyone's life matters. You know, I don't care who you are or what what the case is, but it hits harder when it's children because you have that innocence, that youth. And for those children that aren't going to be able to go home to those families, it's my, my, my heart, 110% goes out to all of those involved. And it's, it, it, you're absolutely right. It has to stop. Um, and that's, that's,
0: pretty much all I can say about it. I know. And it's tough to articulate any kind of words. I mean, it it just, it sucks, man, because it does shit like this doesn't have to happen. And, and, And that's, I think the point that we have to say shit like this does not have to happen. It's a choice made by an individual for whatever circumstance that they're going through. It does not have to happen, but I get it we're a football show we are the distraction uh you know for life because life is tough man and I get it everybody man life is good so live it good and you know enjoy life man but you know it's tough I get it life is hard and and it's going to get harder as you grow and as you age and you know the more you get older I'm getting older and you start to see you know people that are older that things just start getting taken away from you as you as you age so I mean shit enjoy the life. Okay. And leave the kids alone. Damn it, man. I can't stress that enough. Let these kids grow up and let them be happy. And I guess that's all I'm going to say about that, but rest in peace to all those that were affected and and pray for all those families.
1: Yeah. And, and anyone out there, you know, if you're having a tough day, you know, we hope that we can be a part of that day that helps to kind of distract you from things that aren't so great, you know, hopefully that we can, you know, through our football talk and, and humor throughout the show and wisecracks and whatever it is that we're talking about that is, you know, sports and entertainment related. Hopefully we can be kind of that positivity throughout your day.
0: You gotta hope so, man. Cause I mean, we try, I mean, we try to be, you know, the bright spot to everybody's day. Hopefully we do do that, but you know what? Okay. So it's hard to move on. I get it, but we'll try our best. And And I mean, we'll, we'll start off with some headlines because I guess, you know, the the Nick Saban Jimbo Fisher thing Chris we got oh, to we, we got to touch Ugh. on this because it's Nick so Saban. massive right I, the NIL things okay <laughs> i love it because I don't know if anybody caught it all, but I mean, Saban went on a little tirade being like, you know, Texas A&M got the number one recruiting class out of this uh, last recruiting class. And he was pissed because he said, you know, A&M bought all the players, Jimbo Fisher and company bought all their players. He even threw his buddy from Aflac Dion under the bus and said, you know, they paid for Travis Hunter, got his million dollars to come to the div two school. But this is the funny thing. So, While I'm going to sit here and say Saban isn't wrong, he's crying like a baby because he's not getting his way, and I've never been a full-on Saban supporter. I, I, I respect what he's done on the football field. But I mean, when it comes to this NIL thing, so apparently, and I had to dig in because the NCAA rule says that you cannot use NIL as part of the recruiting process. But the problem is, and that's where Sabin was going with this, is that you, you weren't allowed to do it because it's in the rule books, but it's being used as that recruiting tool as we're starting to see, you know, players are in the transfer portal, players are coming to places where, uh, you know, NIL deals are going to come from because typically how it's supposed to work is the player is going to commit to the school and then do his own due diligence with whoever he has in his family or whatever to find his NIL deals. But in this case, the schools are actually setting it up. It's like, you know, if you come to our school, we got a dealership down the road that can pay you a million bucks to come play here. So, hey, we're setting Mm -hmm. this up for you where Jimbo was pissed off because he was like, you go and look at what Nick Saban's been doing all these years, trying to get Alabama and and LSU and shit, getting all these players to come to their schools. But they were doing it for the family, so they would pay the family or get the family new cars or houses or jobs in the area so that their life could be better. And that was against NCAA rules, just wasn't caught because it wasn't the player. So that's where Jimbo was getting all pissed off, right? But I mean, this whole thing with NIL, I mean, you got to understand the fabric and landscape of NCAA has completely changed where now this is part of the landscape. And to me, it's like, while I say Saban isn't wrong because these teams may be going and stretching and pushing the envelope on these rules. He's kind of crying because, hey, big time Alabama didn't get the players they wanted this year.
1: Well, that's the thing is, you know, he usually has one of the top recruiting classes year after year. And Saban kind of does this anyway. Like when he doesn't get his way, when things don't go Alabama's way, he does. He bitches me moans and he complains because he's used to just being on top all the time. And so all of a sudden, oh, you're not on top. It's somebody else's fault. It's not our fault. It's someone else's fault. And in years past, I mean recruiting, I mean this goes back decades, mm. you know, teams, boosters, paying players or families, you know. And so the fact that I mean he's complaining about something that other teams are doing that he's done in the past, okay? Right. So he's literally just pointing the finger, when he should be looking at the mirror and noticing that that finger is also pointing back at him.
0: Right. It's almost like he was claiming that he's like an untouchable. It's like, Hey, I'm the big guy. <laughs> and that's why when Jimbo came out, he did his own. Uh, he wasn't even supposed to speak that day. And he's like, yo, you make me a damn uh, conference because I need to talk about this right now. And that was fired. Up. He was pissed, man. And I don't blame him one bit because no what you're doing right there is it's like me and Chris right now and me pointing the finger at Chris for doing the same shit I'm doing. And we're buddies. And that's why Jim was like, no, we're done. This is over. And I can't believe that he actually did that, but he could have phrased it differently. I think that's where I, I I think the issue is where he could have said, you know, deals in the back or whatever or money's being spent. Don't use the term you bought the players because then now it's going to go back into like everything shady that you do. So now it's like I saw even uh, uh, Pat McAfee talk about it saying, you know, if who's going to be the one to go into Saban's past and see what kind of shady dealings that he did, because that's what Jimbo was basically doing. He said, you want to point the finger at me? I'm going to throw it back at you. If any, he was basically calling out all the media saying, hey, you guys want to go and talk about a little bit of Nick Saban, just go look, it's not even mm-hmm. that deep. You can dig just over the surface and you're going to find shit that he does.
1: And Dion was pretty much saying the exact same thing. He was right. like, I got receipts like, you know, you right. want proof. I know I'll, I'll show you that he was doing the same thing. And right. that's the problem is, I mean, uh, if you were, if you're going to call somebody out like that, you know, and, and name names for the most part. You better hope you have no skeletons in your closet, which I we all know Saban absolutely does, because that's going to put the spotlight on you now in
0: your past. Hundred percent, man. And I mean, we we talked about nil for for since it basically came. Mm-hmm. We we've had this discussion on this show a number of times, but it's the hypocrisy that drives me crazy. I mean, if you're going to cheat the rules, Saban you know, when the NCAA could enforce it. And, and the reason why I believe they can't enforce this NIL is because they don't have the litigation and the legal uh, stamina or whatever it is to fight uh, and enforce, I should say, this this NIL thing. But I mean, this is part of it. Look at B. John; he just got an NIL deal with uh, Lamborghini, even though he was with, with right. I mean, even though he's with Texas already, but it's like uh, Addison being transferred to USC. I mean, this is the thing; he was looking for the biggest NIL money. Caleb Williams he transfers over to USC. He got what three million dollars in NIL deals So. It's about the money, so I don't know. I mean, I think that Saban really overstepped the the boundary. Just a maybe not just a little bit. I think he overstepped quite a bit. But I mean, even when it comes to Dion saying, you know, we didn't pay him, and I think that's the difference. So it's not the school that's paying them. So that's that's the misconception as right. well that that came from these comments where it's saying Saban saying you guys paid for him, and that's where Dion's like, I got receipts. We didn't. But when you're setting up the NIL deals, because Travis Hunter, if I'm not mistaken, he got a million bucks and he was the the top recruit in the entire nation and he goes to a div two school. Fine, he's he's a cornerback, wide receiver, wants to go play with Dion or get coached up by Dion. Yeah, I could definitely see why he would want to do that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But the money's also going to talk, man, million for a million dollars for a kid who's 18 years old who can set you up your family from better circumstances. Hell, yeah, you're going to look into that nowadays and you're going to make that one of your priorities to sign on with these teams. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, even if they say the teams don't pay the, the, the players, right.
1: you know, the fact that they're saying to them, you know, hey, if you come to this school, you know, there are there are, you know, X, Y and Z, you know, uh, markets that are in this area that will be able to give you, you know, certain deals with these contracts.
0: Yeah. Or signings or whatever. Like you go to a dealership, $30,000 per signing. Like these are the deals that are being formed now. And this is the new landscape of college football. But I thought it was, and funny. I will say this,
1: I, I have no problem with it whatsoever. I think right. these kids deserve to get paid. Sure. Especially with the way that the NCAA has just been making billions of dollars off of these kids for so many years. I'm all for these these kids getting paid.
0: Yeah, and I, you know, I changed my tune as well because you know I used to use the argument that you know they were getting a free education, but then when you start seeing how these schools are just making money hand over fist, uh, fair is fair, man. I mean, these guys are the if, product yeah. on the
1: field, right? So fair. If fair. coaches can do it, players players should be
0: allowed. Sure, no right. argument from me anymore. Yeah. I've I've definitely changed my tune in that respect. It is interesting, and I mean, it's gonna get worse. I think before it gets better for oh, yeah. uh, for Nick Saban, and I mean, Jimbo's he's got a. They play this year too. That's gonna be a killer of a game, if I'm not mistaken. I think they do play I in was, October.
1: I'm gonna be interested to see what happens at the end of the game with oh, uh, if there's gonna be any kind of a handshake or what you know. Oh
0: man, they might duke it out UFC style up on
1: that field, man. It might be that. Remember that game? It was uh, what was it, Jim Harba or John, John Harba who? they were playing the lions and i think jim schwartz was the head coach and one of the harbor brothers like what and pretty much just like 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 not like hip checked the yeah. lions coach but he just kind of like went <laughs> up or, like gave him a shove yeah yeah i remember that <laughs> that was
0: horrible that was jim man jim was running he that was, was jim, angry. yeah yeah he was yeah. pissed off oh man it's gonna get worse than that i think because i mean now now when you used to be friends and that's that that shit digs deep rather than a stranger just calling you out but hey Let's talk some NFL stuff because we got some stuff. OTAs have kicked off the, the voluntary OTAs. And I mean, I'm seeing Josh Allen dropping dimes all over that field like he's in midseason form, baby. But I'm not going to talk about my bills today. I do it every show, basically. And I'll I'll just throw a little tidbit in there. Go, go check Bills highlights because it, it's looking good. But it is OTAs, whatever. But let's talk a little running back talk, man, because there's a lot of running backs in the news right now. And right now, as I quote, Frank Reich was said today. If I was a fantasy owner, I'd consider drafting Naheem Hines. And I said, oh, oh, this guy, he's dropping out the name. So, And then I go back and I start watching the OTAs from Indy. And sure enough, Naheem Hines is with the wide receivers doing a little practicing and running some routes, Chris. I mean, here we go again. So we're, we're talking up the Paris Campbells, the Naheem Hines. And what are we going to expect? And Frank Wright, given the endorsement, I just do we fall for this shit again because we're hoping that it's going to be something special and then we're always disappointed.
1: Yeah. I just, I don't know how many snaps he's actually going to get as a wide receiver. You know, I mean, is he still going to be used on third downs? You know, as as a PPR guy. Sure. Absolutely. But am I going to, are we going to see him lining up in the slot like 30% of the time? No, like he's not going to become this slot receiver all of a sudden. I don't think so for me, I'm taking, I'm taking all of this with a grain of salt I still think that Naheem Hines is a fine handcuff option for Jonathan Taylor, but outside of that, probably not much because Naheem Hines really wasn't fantasy viable last season to begin with because they gave Jonathan Taylor so much more passing work. So Mm. it's going to be tough to see what happens there.
0: And, And that's where the, the stipulation comes for me is how much JT's evolution in the past game did happen last year. So, I mean, I'm trying to think about this logically, because now you got yourself the Alec Pierce, Paris Campbell's coming back saying he's fully healthy if he is. So let's they just, signed, they signed Kiki Hootie from Houston. You, that's right. So, I mean, you got a lot of slot weapons that you plan to utilize. And I mean, with, with Matt Ryan being kind of on the, you know, tail end of his career, he's going to be able to still feed the force. I'm still a Matt Ryan guy. I don't care what anybody says. I still think he's got the ability to, excuse me, to at least be a 4,000 yard passer in this league. I still believe that it's there, but are we going to see this offense be extremely dump, uh, heavy and like 10 yard dink and dunk down the field? Is this what he's kind of telling us at this point? I mean, if, if he is, and that
1: means that he doesn't really believe in Matt Ryan's arm strength anymore, you know, but I mean, They've, they obviously, they've got Pittman coming back. If Paris Campbell can stay healthy, great. You know, They went ahead and drafted Alec Pierce as well, signed Kiki QT. So they have receiving options. You know, um, I still think that you need Naheem Hines back there as that passing down back, though, even with Jonathan Taylor and the increased workload that the, he's had. And don't forget, recently, the Colts went ahead and signed Phillip Lindsay as right. well. So
0: that just adds to that running back room. Right, right. So, I mean... I, You you got options. You're going to have options to spell out if you need to. But I don't know, man. Speaking of other running backs, we got the Antonio Gibson problems are continuing. You know, all y'all that wanted Antonio to be a thing. I did, too. I thought he was a good player. Right. And I mean, but here we go. Touches should remain high, though his usage could vary weekly. And that's a quote unquote. And I mean dude this is this is not good for fantasy football and 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 of course when you draft a guy like Brian Robinson JD Mckissick bucks the bills and goes back to Washington and to play with the commies and I mean you got now a problem on your hands because I'm a Brian Robinson guy. I think he can handle a heavy workload that they maybe wanted Gibson to do and and mm-hmm. you know the lack of usage for Gibby in the past game has always been our concern and our issue. And then he fades. So if this is going to vary, I mean, where's his ADP at for me to say, you know, I'm I'm very happy to draft me a Gibson, but I don't think I'm going to be. I think it's, I'm going to be passing up his services. Would you take him at the end of the fifth round? See, that might be a little too high for me, man.
1: Yeah, because right now that's where he's going. He's He's currently going as the RB22 at 510 in 12 team leagues. And that's the thing is Antonio Gibson. I mean, a lot of people you know, that are the more casual fantasy football fan don't know that he was a wide receiver in college and converted to a running back. So he, we know that he, he can catch the ball without a problem, you know? So the fact that they did want to bring back JD McKissick, you know, shows me that they don't have a ton of trust in Antonio Gibson and his ability to carry a full workload, especially after drafting Brian Robinson. Now, I mean, that just proves even more, okay. He's not a three down back for us.
0: And that's weird because we've seen him be able to handle a, a good workload. I mean, 20 plus right. touches a game, like the Cowboys game where he exploded. I believe that was on Thanksgiving. But I mean, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm confused with what they don't see in, in, in a Gibby to say and suggest that he is the three down back. Like you said, he's a wide receiver convert. His hands are great. I mean, he can catch the ball. Look what he did against my bills. Uh, what was it last year? If not the year before where he absolutely torched the bills in the first half he's a good running back. So it can't, and is. I mean, injury history isn't fast. So you can't sit here and tell me that, that Gibby's got a problem going to the medical room. So what is it about this guy that is just not trustworthy, even though when he is on the field, given a good amount of touches, like 12 to 15 to 20, he's able to produce and do it very well. I get a goal line, maybe, but outside of that, I just, I I don't understand what they're seeing.
1: Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see because, Last year, he averaged just about 18, 19 touches uh, per game. Mm-hmm. So if he's able to get at least 18 touches per game this season, I'm not too concerned, but that also, he got those increased touches because JD McKissick missed a bunch of time last year. If McKissick can stay healthy. And now with the addition of Robinson, is that going to go down to like 15 touches per game? And for me, if that, if, if somebody like Gibson's going to be my RB two. i I'm going to want him to be closer to that 18, 19 touches per game number like he was last year.
0: Huge. And that's why in the fifth round, I just I have a very hard time investing that for return on potential investment. I just it's 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 a, it's a tricky one. man. these Washington com- commies, they got problems all over the place. They're trying to get rid of Dan Snyder. You guys don't know what you running back. One is like stop confusing the people and get your house in order. Damn it. I will say, though, where he's
1: currently going and the guys that are going behind him mm. in, in drafts right now, I would probably still rather have Antonio Gibson, with the exception of probably Josh Jacobs, who's going like a couple of picks behind him. But other guys like Eli Mitchell and A.J. Dillon and Miles Sanders, I probably would still take Antonio Gibson over those
0: guys. Yeah, that's us see. And then that's where the conversation now lies, too, is that, you know, is there. You're picking, maybe I'll pick more wide receivers at that point in the draft. That's why go running back heavy, man. RB, zero RB is not a thing anymore. You can't do it.
1: I mean, if you're you're going towards the end of the fifth round, you're going to have your pick, say, of either, you know, taking a running back, you know, like, uh, like like Antonio Gibson, Mm -hmm. or you could go wide receiver and go with like an Allen Robinson or a Gabe Davis, or even a Michael Thomas, you know? So you're going to have those options
0: to kind of go with at this point. And I might do that because that's why you got to mock it up, man. Mock, go do some mock drafts and find these scenarios. I'll take Allen Robinson over Antonio Gibson any day of the week at
1: the end of the round.
0: Absolutely. As long as I got my good RB one, RB two, I'm good. And then, you know, you try to fill it out. You're going to get waiver wires with injuries, obviously, but I mean, shit. Gibby man. Gibby, it's just it's not working out for you brother and I just I don't understand why but you know who else is not working out for Chris? Who? Rashad Penny. This poor bastard. Uh, he's poor, I was just going to call him a poor bastard too. <laughs> <You> poor <laughs> bastard. I mean we're rooting for you and he's resting a slight hamstring issue already in voluntary OTAs. And this man just I'm sorry, he can't get out of his own way and everybody that thought, you know, with the talent is there, he's got the juice, he's got the wheels, you know Granted, this offense is probably going to be extremely run heavy because gino has got the slight edge, apparently, in the quarterback position uh, as we sit ouch. today. Yeah, ouch is That's right. Scary. Drew Locke. I mean, we know, man, the writing's on the wall. But I mean, geez, I mean, what do we say about a guy like Rashad Penny? I mean, Kenny Walker, the third, has got to be the guy that everybody needs to own because I love me some Kenny going already way back. But this is this is even more telling sign that by like week three, four, if Penny can't even get his 15 touches, 10 touches, I think Kenny's going to take this job and run away with it. Dude, right now, Kenny's getting drafted two and a half rounds
1: ahead of Rashad Penny already. So drafters are already seeing, okay, this is going to become Walker's backfield at some point throughout the season.
0: And I mean, I'm I'm there for it. I think that Kenny is going to be able to handle the 20 to 25 that they're going to require from him in this offense with a G. I don't care, man. OK, you got Lockett. You got DK. You're going to try to stretch the field. But with Locke and, and Gino, I mean, we saw what Gino did last year in relief of Wilson. It was not great. And we saw what Locke is. It's not great. They need the dual back set to be successful in any fashion, in my opinion, set up the play action pass. I'm all mm-hmm. in on Kenny Walker, man. I think that he he might even have a the path to volume is what we're always looking for. And his path to volume right now is, is just going to continue to skyrocket, even if Penny's on the field, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. I think this is kind of a similar situation to what we saw in Denver last year with Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. Now, while I do think Denver's backfield is much more talented than what Seattle has right now, it's kind of that same thing where the rookie may start off a little bit slower with the touches, but as the season progresses, that rookie will then take over as the lead back.
0: Yeah. And Kenny's got the juice and the ability. I just, it's going to be tough, man. Poor Rashad Penny, you, you know, you root for a guy you hope for the best and the dude just can't stay healthy. It's just—it's one of those things. I mean, it's kind of like Seattle backs with Chris Carson. Same yeah, thing. Same thing. You draft healthy running backs, and, or get your medical staff in order. I don't know. Like I don't know what's going on. Speaking of medical you know, staff, you know, go ahead. I'm telling
1: you, these these NFL teams, what they need to do is they need to start consulting or hiring our own Dr. Ethan Turner. There you go. And he can tell them straight up. Listen, <laughs> I did my rookie guide on this guy. Don't
0: freaking touch him. That's it. There you go, man. See, you got to know who to speak to. To you know. Get all the knowledge, but hey, speaking of injuries, we got Travis Etienne, the foot. He is a full go at OTAs, and I am loving it. I am all for it. You know me, I love me some Etienne. I think that his explosive Mm -hmm. ability is just bar none, could be looked at uh, eventually, barring health, obviously, as one of the better explosive running backs in this entire league. He's that good, in my opinion. It's just Doug Peterson. I mean, how is he going to use this running back room? James Robinson isn't there, so you got to think. You got to think they want to be a little more explosive. All right. all right, this is the same Doug Peterson that had control
1: of the Eagles' backfield. Yes, we I all know how that went. Okay, I know, I know. But I do love, I do love, I do love ATN, and I really am. I would love to be able to own him and and have shares of him this year. You know, so yes, I'm, I'm all in on ETN. I'm not all in on Doug Peterson and how he manages his running backs. Yeah.
0: So for me, it's, I'm really comfortable with an ETN being that flex guy, you know, right yep. at the start, hopefully can creep up into that RB two range. And then, you know, we can, we can be happier people. Mm-hmm. I, I completely agree. What do you think? Is he going to be anything like in the past game? Is that where he's going to be heavily utilized? Cause I think it's going to be a nice, even mix, man. I, I would
1: love to see that because without James Robinson in the mix there, you know, he's going to have those opportunities. The only thing is where I think he could be utilized more in, in that passing game is that Jacksonville defense is still young. They're still trying to find their identity. So Trevor Lawrence is going to be playing from behind quite a bit. So he mm. ATN might be getting a lot more of those dump off passes, those check downs because they're going to have to be playing catch up and you're not going to be running the ball on first and second down when you're down by 17 points.
0: And man, look how they use James Robinson when he was the PPR guy at the end of the games. Could you imagine well yep. Etienne getting the check downs and turning it up field? And oh my god, my juices,
1: they're starting to flow. Is that is that, is that that's what's doing going that's on what, there?
0: That's what it's doing. That's yeah. what that's uh, that's what you saw fly across the room. It's it's okay. And and the crazy thing is that you can
1: let's say you're drafting right now, you could get Etienne. Towards the end of the fifth round, say as your RB three, if you decided to go, you know, RB, RB, wide receiver, wide receiver with your first four picks, Yeah, ATN could be your flex pretty much. I
0: love it. I, I love yeah. it, man. But you know what's going to happen as soon as pre because, you know, he's playing preseason. He's got to try oh, to get yeah. that. let Liz Frank off and shake off the rust, get back into game shape. So, you know. The minute that he makes a big play, yeah, the minute he makes a big play, the hype train is just going to fly up and his his rank is just going to cook right up those boards. And I think the same
1: thing is going to happen for somebody like Cam Akers. If Cam Akers Mm. has a good preseason game, shows some promise, he's going to be someone that you're going to have to grab in the second round as opposed to the end of the third, early fourth.
0: So where'd you say Etienne was on the ADP right now?
1: Right now, Etienne is the RB21 at 508. Ooh, see, 508. He's, He's going two spots ahead. Of Antonio Gibson.
0: Wow. Wow. I did not expect that at this point. Wow. See, people loving him. And I'm telling you, I've been the Etienne guy. I wanted him in Buffalo. Damn it. And see if they would just listen to me. They broke your heart. They did. Etienne in Buffalo would have been an absolute glory show. But hey, we can't get what we want. God damn it. No, that glory show just turned into a glory hole. That's all. (laughs) Whoa. Whoa, man. We'll talk about your glory hole over there in New England in a a little while. Because you guys got a freaking black hole. You got a black hole that you're building over It's a there. black hole is what it is. Keep Team, my all... team's name oh. out your fucking mouth. <laughs> How about <laughs> that one? How about that one, man? You like that one? Well played. You well know, played. You know? So I know you brought up Eli Mitchell. I mean earlier on and and news mm-hmm. is coming out already that the 49ers right now also I mean it told you this is running back show baby so much running back chatter right now it's gorgeous and glorious I love it almost see I almost combined those two words like you did on the headliner you video which you guys should all check out <laughs> you should check <laughs> that one out. It's good, yeah. and if you don't know which one Just watch all of them. Just watch all of them because it's all good stuff. But Eli Mitchell, they're looking to him, quote unquote, as the top option in the run game and for for good reason. But Eli, the interesting aspect right now is that he's bulked up apparently to 215 over the 200 pounds he was playing at last year. You do got a little Davis Price that everyone's getting a little uh, overly excited about, I think, right now. And, and still got Trey Sermon. I mean, I'm not ready to say I'm out on Trey Sermon just yet, just because he fell out of favor. I think, you know what, some players take a little bit more grooming time and and period to grow. Sermon or Price, man, who's going to be the guy? Because if Eli is the dude, he stays healthy. I mean, who are we getting at RB2? Well, that's going to be interesting. I almost think that Jeff Wilson
1: is kind of that RB2, or at least Jeff Wilson, I think, is going to be that goal line back because he's this bigger body guy. Obviously, Davis, Bryce, and Sermon are also big guys, but Wilson has been that goal line back for them in the past. With Eli Mitchell, I mean, is he going to get 20 touches per game like he did last year? Who knows? You know, his health is going to be a concern as well. You know, if you bulk up like that, is he going to wear down a little bit more? Um, I don't want to say Trey Sermon he was the fantasy like darling last year that everyone was just falling in love with. Mm-hmm. And I don't mind Davis price. I feel like they're both very similar when it comes to skill sets. So I think that Trey sermon deserves another shot. I will say if I had to choose, I would personally probably go with Trey sermon over Davis price right
0: now but I also would probably pick Jeff Wilson over the other, over those two anyway. And and man, and we know this is a, it's like the commies talk, man. I mean, who the hell are they going to utilize? Fine. They want to say right. that, you know, Eli is the guy fine. I, I mean, okay. As we said today, end of May, I'll agree. I'll bite. I'll say that Shani did like his game and he did produce quite a bit, but he did find his way into that medical room again. So now the, the topic of conversation in that coaching staff is definitely going to be, can Eli handle the full three down back workload? And that's why you can sit here and say he bulked up 15 pounds to try to endure the NFL punishment because by the time, what was it? When did he get hurt? It was like week 10, 12 ish. I want to say Around there, missed some time, not that much. But I mean, it was like ankles, it was the nagging stuff that comes after taking a lot of punishment. So, I mean, for me to sit here and tell and tell all y'all that I believe that Shanahan isn't going to use his trio or quadruple back sets, you know, as he sees fit, depending on how the 49ers are operating. Because who knows, man, scheme wise, we'll see what Price uh, Davis Price can do. I I'm not going to say I'm not a fan of his, but I think Sermon could have him beat. And maybe it's just because Sermon couldn't pass block. That was one of his biggest issues. I mean, can we just settle this once for
1: all and just have the 49ers play the healthiest back that they have and just move Kyle Usick to running back? He the man <laughs> played all 16 games last year. Like, let's just give the man the starting running back That's position.
0: It. What was buddy's <laughs> name from Cleveland? The uh, Hillis, Patrick Peyton Hillis, Payton Hillis. Pey- <laughs> That's number two, man. Who 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 made the cover of Madden and then we never heard from him ever again. <laughs> Talk about Madden curse of all curses, man! You ended his career, Madden. I'm gonna blame the Browns. Yeah, the Browns definitely messed that up. But I mean, hey, you could use a fullback as your RB one if you wanted to. It's look not at gonna... look at Mike Alstott. You <laughs> know, come on, Mike Alstott, another one. But I mean, the NFL has definitely changed, and we do not see players like that anymore. No but I don't know if I'm on the Davis price train, man, and help me. I mean, is there a way that you can convince me right now that I should be on this train just because he's in the 49 ers system? I mean, he's okay. I mean, he's serviceable. No. I mean, well, I guess you could say he's the healthiest running
1: back because he has never gotten injured in an NFL game. Sure. <laughs> so that's kind of an upside for him there. But I, I mean, it's tough to say because the 49ers, like you said, they use their running backs very similarly to you know like the like Washington they they use rotations they don't really trust one guy to handle the bulk of the workload for the most part now yes Mitchell did get 20 plus touches on average this past season Mm -hmm. but the guy couldn't stay healthy and that's going to be a concern going into this year you know are they did they see that last year as a rookie and think okay we need to scale back his workload because we want to make sure that he's fresh
0: And gaining 15 pounds, what's that going to do to his speed? That's something that we need to see on film or on tape and on game live too.
1: I have no idea because I haven't been able to gain 15 pounds since I was like 14 years old. So that's who knows.
0: And that's why you're fast as a speeding bullet. And I mean, let's talk about our boy, Saquon. And I want to talk about Saquon because I still love some Saquon. Chris, yep. is, Chris is pumping his chest over there. He's got a big heart love for Saquon. Saquon. So do I, man. And I don't care what anybody says. Where is his ADP at right now since he got the sheet open?
1: Oh, God. Let's see. Let's Sorry. See. I'm,
0: I'm, like, I'm like scrolling down. <laughs> it's, it's horrible. The disrespect this man has got.
1: Right now, you can get Saquon Barkley at the beginning of the third round at three Oh three
0: as the RB 14 cows. Okay. Here's where my argument gets a lot of credence because, okay, Brian Dable comes out and he says that he expects Barkley to catch a ton of passes in the Brian Dable offense. Actually one of, one of the rep- beat writers uh, reported that not Brian Dable, but what I'm saying here, this is why my argument is so good. He is the RB 14 right now. When everybody, I get it. Injuries, we mm-hmm. just talked about the 49ers and their and their injuries with their running backs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We know this. Barkley has had a run of unfortunate luck. That does not mean he still doesn't have the ability and the talent to be a top five fantasy producing running back up to a ceiling of being top three, in my opinion. It's still there. He's still young. He doesn't have a boatload of work on tread. Or I should say tread. He has lots of tread on the tires. And in this offense where we did see Barkley catch those 90 passes, I believe in his rookie season, correct me if I'm wrong. Correct. But in a in a Brian Dable offense where he didn't utilize running backs in Buffalo is where everyone is, is going with this. Get that out of your mind. Buffalo was a completely different team. Danny Pennies is not Josh Allen. Brian Dable knows what he's going to have to be able to do in this offense. Yes, you got a plethora of wide receivers in that wide receiver room that you could exploit, create mismatches, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Barkley is going to be this guy that everybody is going to covet by like week five, because I believe if health aside, okay, let's just argument's sake, Barkley's fully healthy for 17 this year, even for 15. I'll even give two games to injury. Barkley Mm -hmm. is going to be, in my opinion, And it's a bold take right now as we sit in May. Barkley is going to be the greatest return on investment this season for fantasy football productivity.
1: I could see that because we all know he has top five talent, you know, and where he's going right now at RB14. I mean, he's already in in my, my rankings. I think I have him at like RB9. And the guys that are currently going ahead of him, I would take him... Before Javante Williams, Mm -hmm. because of the return of Melvin Gordon, I would take him over Uncle Lenny. Yep. And then the guys that are going after him, like James Conner, Cam Akers, Zeke Elliott, Brees Hall,
0: I would still take Barkley over those guys. How can you not? And this is my argument. How can you not? And everyone's passing it up. And and I wonder when we get into the draft process, the mock draft season, and then when everyone's starting to do their drafts, I really do wonder if people are going to reach a little bit and they're going to pick Barkley in that second round, early second round. And and you know who it's
1: going to be? It's going to be the inexperienced (laughs) fantasy football players that are going to go off of name recognition. Like, oh, I remember Saquon from a few years ago. He was great. I'm going to take him. It's going to be like
0: round, like early round two or something like that. And they're going to bump up the ADP, the consensus ADP because they're going to be mocking him in the, in the second round. Then it's going to be a low end first for Barkley by the time we're in and done with this. But it is injuries and I get the concern and this will be my last year that I'm going to promote Saquon if he gets hurt again, because then we can actually really say, I mean, because last year was just a fluke, man. He rolled his ankle, look in the wrong direction. So it's awareness for for Barkley that he's got to improve clearly. Um, but it's, I mean, ACL, fine. You can, you tear an ACL, we know how that goes. But, you know, rolling the ankle. Outside of that, Barkley is still very stout, and I think in this offense, I think Dable has no choice but to utilize this run game, but to utilize Barkley in the pass game. You're going to see him gain 1,000 yards. Health-related, again, I'm going to say, over 1,000 yards. You're going to get 65 to 85 receptions again. You're going to see touchdowns in the pass game. Barkley is going to be a steady producer in this offense, especially when you're playing in a weaker division based on defense. I mean... I, I see nothing but right, especially when you're trying to get Danny pennies more comfortable in the scheme. He, who's he going to look to, man? He's going to be looking to the short slot. He's going to look to the tight ends. He's going to look to his check down. If he can't make the deep throw consistently and Brian Dable's going to be pissed when he's going to be tossing potential, you know, pennies down the field and they miss. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. And when you look at this running back room, I mean, there isn't
1: really any competition for Barkley. You have Matt Breda who can't really stay healthy. Boom. And then outside of that, you've got Gary Brightwell and Antonio Williams. So it's Barkley's backfield, obviously, and it it always will be, you know, as long as he's on this team, the offensive line is young. It has potential, you know, they drafted Andrew Thomas last year, Evan Neal this year. So they're getting younger. They have John Feliciano at center. So the the offensive line still has some question marks. So that could definitely kind of hinder his upside there as far as, as, as a runner but as long as he's involved more in the passing game as a receiver and he doesn't have to, he doesn't have to catch 90 balls. Sure. If he can, if he can kind of go in between his rookie season and a few years ago and get like 65 to 70, perfectly fine. He's still going to be a top 10 back that way.
0: And you're going to see the mismatch appeal, especially if say a Kadarius Tony gets on the field and a Wandale gets on the field, they do the double slot threat appeal. Mm Mm-hmm you're going to see Saquon be open quite a bit because a lot of these teams are going to start pulling up thinking they have the, the slot weapons to to cover. And how many times we saw Saquon do that wheel route coming out of the backfield, going straight down the sideline. And then it's a touchdown. Like those right. are the, those are the types of plays I see a lot happening. So to me, Barkley's going to be in that category of the Austin Eckler efficiency rates health okay i get it i'm going to keep saying health aside because we know what what happens with barkley but if he can stay healthy these are the efficiency rates we will see again and i i'm okay having barkley as even my rb2 with the potential of rb1 upside because that roi is just going to be crazy good yeah and
1: i think for us we have to really hope that daniel jones stays at under center Mm -hmm. because if tyrod taylor comes in taylor's you know he's going to want to sling it so At least with Daniel Jones, we know he's going to have that check down ability. Tyrod is an accurate deep ball thrower. He's going to want to push it down the field a little bit more. But thankfully, he has a receiving room that isn't really great at stretching the field. So,
0: correct. Correct. I mean, but I I still like me some Kenny Galladay. I know you're out of... Oh God! And you know, come on, get off the of holiday. I cannot. He's another one. I'm not. I'm not going to be overly pump pumping him up, but I'm. I'm gonna still keep tabs on my boy, there. Kenny's good. How much? How how much longer is it going to take before you're finally okay? I'm off off of Kenny. I think this is the year. I think Kenny and Barkley are, are a package deal for me. If if it doesn't work, it's over. Yep. After the 2020 season, that's when I was out on him. I understand. Yep. I understand. But you know who I'm not out on is Amari Rogers. I'm, I'm coming back, baby, my rookie of the year. Oh, I'm coming back strong because you know what? We're seeing, you know, rumors that he's in the best shape of his life. And, you know, the the Green Bay Packers, they are, you know, starving for wide receiver talent. Now you got a year two. We call him a veteran now. He had issues with the scheme and the system. This is wide receiver talk now as we pivot. But. I love me some Amari Rogers, man. And, and I, I, I'm still going to be planting my flag on this one because I think he could be one of the better slot weapons in this league, man. Come on, Amari.
1: Well, current drafters uh, disagree because <laughs> they have Amari Rogers as the fifth highest drafted Packers wide receiver. Damn he's you going people. He's- Romeo Dubs or doves is getting drafted
0: before get Amari Rogers right now. Then you know what? I'm going to laugh at y'all when that happens. Cause <laughs> Romeo, Romeo ain't nothing but a field stretcher. Get out of town, man. Amari is Romeo's the guy going, Romeo's going early 19th round and get out your boy, Margie. Mari's going end of 19, early 20. He is going above Randall Cobb. So you got that going for you. The disrespect this man has gotten simply because he ran two run routes Dropped two passes, and Aaron Rodgers said, the hell with you, Amari. I don't like you. Are you going to be drafting him in, in your leagues this year? I'll take a flyer. If if he's at the end of my draft, I'll definitely take okay. a flyer on him. Because okay. it, what does it hurt at that point? And if I'm wrong, guess what? It doesn't matter because it's the last pick of the draft. But hey, if I'm right, man, and, and I think that I might be, you got yourself a weekly flex PPR stud on your hands. I'm taking.
1: So I'm taking my boy Tyquan Thornton. <laughs> he's going like three spots stop after it. just after rogers stop it i'm taking ta- i'm taking taekwon Boom. you're
0: unbelievable man this guy thinks he's gonna be a hen- i've
1: also had henry rugs fashions throughout <laughs> this show so
0: <laughs> he's he's going with the henry rugs uh, with mac money jones-esque with thornton here this is what he's trying to you know preach to it. I'm trying to speak this into existence. I see what you're doing. It's not going to work. But speaking of those Giants, Kadarius, Tony, he had another knee surgery. If you didn't know, I mean, he got his knee scoped uh, just recently. And yeah, I mean, the Giants like have clean up. De- yeah. So the Giants have definitely okay. clean uh, hidden this um, until recent news because apparently it happened a month ago. Um, the injuries continue to pile up for a Kadarius Tony, which is why I want to say, I mean, we did the Wandale scattering report coming out soon on Headliner U, but I mean, this is why, in my opinion, they drafted a Wandale because I don't think that Kadarius Tony can stay healthy. I think that, you know, on the field, when he has the ball in his hands, we've seen it. He's an electric playmaker, but it's the health aside. It's a consistency. Can he do it all the time? And now with another knee scope, yes, it's easy to recover from, but it's something to definitely keep tabs on.
1: I mean, yeah, look at last season. He played, played 10 games, all right? Um, but he was only on the field for 46% of the team's snaps in the, ga- in the 10 games that he actually played. So that's a big concern. I mean, when you're not even on the field for half of the snaps you know, in the games that you're actually healthy, and there were plenty of games where he did finish the game, but he wasn't 100%. He would get nicked up here and there. Right. He probably brought him back from his injury a little bit too soon. So that's, that's a big, big red flag for me.
0: The only positive I want to say is no Evan Ingram. So now he's not on the roster. I'm very interested to see how Dable's going to utilize this wide receiver room. So based on the Galladay's, based on Slayton, Shepard, Tony, and Wandale, I I really want to see what he's going to scheme up because Dable's a a, a clever guy and he's going to be able to utilize – I mean – it depends, though. Is, is it going to morph into something like an Isaiah McKenzie? And we only can go back to the Buffalo days and see how Brian did it, because he did get a little vanilla at times. Who's going to be the true wide receiver one on this team? He doesn't necessarily got a Stephon Diggs unless my boy Kenny Galladay can be that guy. At this point, he's not. So so <laughs> we can't trust. Stop laughing. Fuck. Stop <laughs> laughing at me. But I mean, it is interesting. I don't know. Are you trusting Kadarius? I mean, based on the risk to re-injury, I think that's pretty high. I mean, his ADP has got to be pretty low, too.
1: Yeah. See, that's the problem. Is like with with Kadarius, Tony, I mean, and I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling. Um. So they got holy, it right. Holy crap. He's going as the number. Is he going number one for the Giants? He is going number one so far for the Giants. Wow. Middle of the 10th round. He's literally going before Galladay, Wandale Robinson, Shepard, Slayton. He's going before all of those guys right now. Wow. You can get Wandale Robinson in the 17th round.
0: Wow. And Tony's going in the 10th. I don't I don't know if I like that at all because I mean the injuries, dude. I mean, we haven't how how can you preach up a 10th round wide receiver? from a rookie season that was, okay, fine, electric and spectacular when he had it. But, dude, I mean, what are, what are they doing yeah. here? For me,
1: for the Giants, as long as these guys can stay healthy, their wide receiver ones are Kenny Galladay and Sterling Shepard. Agree. You know, Agreed. those are the guys that I think are going to get the bulk of the targets. And, you know, yes, Evan Engram's not there. And also, remember, they had Kyle Rudolph last year as well. Right. But, I mean, why you got to throw shade at, like, Ricky Seals Jones, who, who's now their starting tight end?
0: <laughs> really man really we're talking seals jones man he's got nothing to talk about in fantasy football chris is funny tight end three baby tight tight end hey man you can be a tight end one by falling in the end zone six times but hey that's, that's how that's it true. goes but hey you know you, can also, got... you could you, you could also be a father by falling into the end zone six times so <laughs> oh man jesus dude he's had a few drinks over there relax he's doing just fine i'm checking in on him but hey Rookie wide receiver, Jamison Williams with the ACL. This is, uh, this is absolutely insanity to me. I don't know if you caught this. They are saying mm. there's a potential that he could play and suit up in September. And I'm like, really? okay, yeah, exactly. I'm like, okay, this is some bullshit. And I mean, I was on that Detroit guys podcast. Go check that out. If you guys don't know the Detroit lions, uh, it was on my Twitter. So you can find that feed, but it was a good show. And I mean, we were discussing Jamison Williams and my opinion is even with the advances in technology and medicine, sports rehab, et cetera, coming back from an ACL is like 10 months early now. So it's like 10 months is your, is your earliest you can come back where it was usually a year, if not just over a year, that you would come mm-hmm. back. September puts him at like what? Six months? Six months of ACL recovery. And you're going to, okay, I get it. You trade it up to get yourself a Jameson Williams. I understand but are you really going to sacrifice the future of this potential superstar because you want to get him on the field with a Detroit lions team? That's likely going to win you six games this year. And that's the problem
1: is I think they will rush him back a little bit sooner than they need to. No, because I think, I think that with him, he's someone that if you're drafting, you know, you take him kind of where he's being drafted, which I'll talk about in a second, knowing that he's going to be a second half of the season player. I think he's someone that could help teams in that second half of the season, because he's currently going towards the end of the 10th round. He's literally going three picks after Kadarius Tony. Okay. He's going a full round after Marquez Valdez Scantling right now. Wow. So if you're drafting and not that these ADPs are going to stay the same for the next, you know, three months, but if Jameson Williams is available in the 10th round, you take him, you stash him on your bench, put him in an available IR slot, and just wait until he actually gets activated and let him help you win some some games.
0: So are you taking him in redraft leagues? Is that what you just said?
1: Oh, absolutely. I'm I'm stash, he's a he is a draft and stash kind of guy for me. Okay, absolutely. Okay, okay.
0: I understand because man, because do you know how I'm seeing this logically? If it's, and I sorry, I want to preface it. If if they do not bring him back
1: for week one, if they he has to start on the pup list. If he doesn't start on the pup, I'm probably not
0: touching him. See, and that's, and that's where I'm going because man, that's a risk. And, and you know how it is. We've, we've watched football for a very long time and we've seen these guys. Okay. Barring setback, barring setback. That's all we hear so far. We're seeing him, you know, he's doing the great lateral movements and I was shocked. It was two months into his recovery. He's already jogging sideways. That, that shit was crazy to me. I don't know what they put in his knee, (laughs) but he's a young dude. I get it. Recovery is going to be a lot quicker for him. I completely understand that as well. You're talking six-month time frame for a guy who has to get back into on field shape. So you're talking, okay, let's just say for argument's sake, he starts mm-hmm. week two. He's back week two. So that's early September, like they're saying. And it's gonna take him at least what they're gonna nurse him along for the a few games to see where that knee is at, to see where his speed is at. So at worst, you're gonna get him back to full football shape. Week five at best case scenario. I was going to say that's thing. He's got to get his conditioning up there. Absolutely. Right. So, I mean, to get back into that, to understand and test the knee. I mean, it's like, holy shit. You're you're telling me week one, week two. You plan to unleash this man on a rehab knee six months. He hurt this thing in the damn national championship, man, is what? January or February, for God's sakes. It's January. And I mean, come on, like you guys have no bearing on the future of your franchise where this guy could legit be your field burner esque like Tyreek Hill type of player on your team. And you're willing to do this because of the fan base, because you want to show your kahunas of trading up and saying, Hey, we made a splash in the draft. We're just going to, you know, risk it all. If I'm Jamison Williams and I know I'm not fully healthy, I would not even touch the field. It's 21 years old. I get it. And you and you and you are willing to if they do
1: this, you're willing to risk potentially his future and your franchise because he is supposed to be your franchise wide receiver one. Mm. I mean, that is about as Detroit Lions as ask as you can get right there.
0: I mean, shit, how can you guys make the same mistakes over and over and over again? You know what it is? Because I think they want to understand if Jared Goff is the guy. And, and I think that they're still toting with that, that thought process because, okay, if they win three games, four games again this year, they're going to be picking the top five probably again. And, okay, now you got Bryce Young and you got uh, C.J. Stroud in the conversation to be the next quarterback for the Lions again. So this is where we're at for Detroit. But, I mean, do they truly believe? I, w- I went through the schedule, and I think they're going to be better. They were a hard-working team, and I could see six to seven wins coming out, you know, Fought games for these lions, but what does that give you in the sense of saying I'm gonna go out there and see what Jamison can do early on? If you know that you're, so here's the thing. That's why I think it's dumb to say that you're gonna start him week one. I think that you you start the season, put him on the pop. So what? He's back week six to week eight. See where you guys are at at that point. If you guys are four and four by week eight, okay, then unleash yourself a little Jameson. See what he can do on the field. And maybe you can carve out a playoff spot. I get it. You guys are starving for it. Detroit lions. I get it. But man, if you guys are like one in seven or like even three and whatever, three and four, I, I don't think I do. I think I shut him down and I say rehab the whole year, you know, and or maybe you even leave him on and play him like the last five weeks just so he can get some NFL experience and then get let the unleash it in year two.
1: The problem I have right now with the Lions is that Jared Goff isn't the guy for this specific team because right. Jared Goff is not a guy that is going to take over a game. And win you a football game that has to make up an insurmountable, you know, number of points because of the defense, you know, a guy like a, you know, C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, that they could be that guy right that could take over a game. And so if the Detroit Lions decide to move on from Jared Goff after the season, they will save more money than they'll eat in dead cap space. So they could then draft one of those top two quarterbacks if they have a good enough pick. That's going to be the question, though, is at what point during the season are they going to try to realize, okay, yes, we have a chance to get one of these top two guys, or we don't. So instead of trying to trade up, we might have to just keep moving on with golf for the next couple of seasons. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what they're going to do because the talent that they have around golf right now, it's good talent. Don't get me wrong, but the defense is so bad that the offense isn't good enough right now. They aren't in a place where they need to be right now to score 28 plus points a game to keep them in football
0: games because and they of that defense and they will be much improved. I agree with you offensively because the offensive line is starting to take shape. You know, now we're going to understand what they have in, in a Deandre Swift. And now you're kind of, uh, you know, rounding out your wide receiver room. So I get the push to understand, to get them on the field so you can see what you have. But, yeah, but man, absolutely. But man, do you sacrifice potential? You're playing on turf, man. Turf is not a good friend to ACL. It, exactly. Like, I, I how many I'm, injuries have we seen you know oh, with, with that injury Pellets pellets on the field I mean it doesn't work man so Detroit Lions fans we will be watching intently and I mean say a prayer because I mean if you unleash this man too early that's a wasted draft up when you could have actually traded down from that 31st or 30 second pick and got the first round pick next year, likely, and then had more ammunition to go and potentially get your quarterback. I That's kind of where I was seeing why I think, you know, the GM is kind of saying, Hey, you know, Jameson might be coming back earlier because he's got to prove to the fan base and the ownership group to say, Hey, you know, we did what we had to do to become a winner faster in this league. I'm telling you,
1: just start the man on the pup, bring him back after, you know, six, seven games, let him ease into his role because yeah I mean the Lions have a chance of of winning six seven games but I mean I'd rather them win four three or four games and have Jameson Williams for the next handful of years than you know
0: chance that that development it's crazy I I'm with you I I don't like it at all but I mean with wide receivers Marquise Brown's making news saying that he could be in line to be paid like one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. What am I reading? Why am I reading? Yeah, you reading- have to be one
1: of the best NFL receivers to get paid like one, though. I mean, you know well, what? no, that's
0: not true because look what Mike Williams did, so. Yeah, well, very fair, right? And I mean, but would you do that? I wouldn't do that. Why no. would? It, why would Arizona flirt with this? I'm so confused with what they're doing. I mean,
1: so, yes, I understand. DeAndre Hopkins is suspended for sure, know, five, six games because of, of PEDs, yep. but like, It's, it's just a few games. Like it's not something where you overreact and be like, okay, well we have to pay our next receiver, you know, an exorbitant amount of money because this guy is going to be suspended. And, and I'm not saying that that's the main case there, but Marquise Brown has never been considered a
0: top 12 receiver in the league. Not once. And he shouldn't be like, I mean, based on his performance last season, fine. I get why the encouragement is there for him. But you're telling me, really, he's going to be that guy that you can count on week in, week out. I get it. It's Kyler Murray. I think they're buddies. I think that, you know, that's one of the things that they like about it. They got a good chemistry, whatever. But then here comes the point of saying, well, they traded that first-round pick for him. So why would you do that even though you gave him the fifth-year option and now you got to – you got to do what you got to sign them to a massive deal to keep them there. So Mm -hmm. you're talking in the realm of $20 million for a Marquise Brown when you haven't even paid Kyler Murray yet. Like I just don't understand what Arizona's thinking right now. It's too hot. It's too hot in the desert, man. Their brain is melting. So Marquise Brown is the guy that's going to get you what? 50, maybe 60 receptions,
1: seven to 800 yards and like six or seven touchdowns. Right? Sure. Yep. You know who else can do that for you? That isn't getting anywhere near paid that much money. Darius Slayton of the New York giants can Correct. give you that exact same stat line for a 20th of that price tag.
0: And that's what I'm saying. I did. I, I was baffled with the trade at the draft. I, I still didn't understand why they did it, why they wanted to do it, but I don't know. Oh my goodness. Arizona Cardinals. But Hey, you know what? Let's talk about your Patriots because right now man, it's, it's, that Albert... sounds like a terrible idea. Oh yeah, it is because it's funny. I want to poke fun at you a little bit because Albert Breer raised the possibility that the Patriots and coach Bill Belichick could call offensive plays this year. Um, I think this is becoming really, really close to saying it's truth because I mean, who the hell are you going to bring in to be calling offensive plays? And Belichick is a defensive mind. So how is this going to operate, man? New England Patriot fan over here. School us up, man. How is, how is hoodie going to be able to, you know, call plays with Mac? Ah. All right. So, I don't think I honestly
1: don't know if Belichick's going to be calling the offensive and defensive plays since he brought back Matt Patricia though. I think it's possible where maybe Belichick's doing some more offensive calls and Patricia does more defensive stuff, but I mean, let's not, let's not forget Joe judge is now back with the team, right? right, right. So he could have more involvement with the offense, not saying he's going to be calling plays, but maybe Belichick does call more offensive plays. Patricia takes over more of that leadership role in the defense. Like he had before when he was with the team. Um, But right now they don't have an official offensive coordinator and they aren't going to this season. I mean, if they haven't gotten one by now, they won't. Right. I I still think they should have brought on bill O'Brien when they had a chance to, and they decide not to, I think bill O'Brien would have been a fine option at OC calling offensive plays, but I mean, between the draft choices that Belichick has been making recently and now this, I mean, <laughs> and, and don't get me wrong. The whole mantra throughout new England is in bill. We trust. All sure. right. Yep. But at what point do we kind of think to ourselves,
0: bill, just let it go. It's time. Like, like just, just let it go. At, at this point, the way that this is unfolding where he's recycling all his coaches I would have given the job if I was Bobby Kraft to a McDaniels, I wouldn't have let him leave. I would have said, yes, this is your job, Bill. We love you. You're, you know, you've given us so much praise and glory for the years, but it's time. And that would have been your good succession plan. Now you're kind of like, what are you doing over here? And now could this cripple a guy like Mac money Jones? I mean, Okay, are we are we going to sit here and say that Bill Belichick isn't capable to call offensive plays? No. I think he's that intelligent, he probably can. He can manage a game like nobody's business. We we've seen it over and over and over over the years. Yep. But how much does this man want to take on is, is my question at the age that he's at. Like, you've been through the ringer, buddy. Like, you, you've you been through games that are extremely difficult and tight. And, you, you know, you came to the defense when they needed you. Now you're going to come to the offense when they need you. Like, Jesus, dude, you know there are other people that you can pass the jobs to and, and delegate responsibility. Maybe nobody wants to come play with him anymore uh, outside of people that know Billy. I mean. Well, I mean, he's not the easiest to play for. He's not the easiest to
1: work with the right now. The man is 70 years old. Okay. He's the general manager, head of personnel, pretty much defensive coordinator, head coach, and now potentially OC, (laughs) like the man is wearing 12 different hats. And I just, I, I don't understand it, unfortunately. Um, and does I think he, this does point, he not
0: like being home with his wife? Is that the problem here? Like, what is going on? Oh, the, the,
1: the man sleeps at the stadium. Right. Like, he literally like has a bed set up in his office. And right, OK, so with Belichick right now, I honestly think that the plan was for Josh McDaniels to take over as head coach when Bill stepped down. Mm-hmm. But I also think that Bill realized, okay, well, I don't want to step down now. I, I like, you know, doing what I'm doing. And I think McDaniels is just kind of like, well, I can't wait around forever.
0: That's so right. I got to take a job with that when it's available. And that's exactly what he did. I, I completely agree. That, that was the thing that they needed to do. And especially for himself, he, he needed to find a club that he could actually start up his head coaching career back up because he paid and, and. D- and, and- he did, and he picked a good one to do that, it. You that's know? right.
1: I mean, he pretty much gave the middle finger to the to the Colts a few years back, but yes, he, he now picked a franchise that has some really, really good possibilities.
0: And, and he's going to likely, hopefully flourish with those possibilities. But good God, man, there is a possibility that your New England Patriots finish last in this division this year.
1: It, it could be the start of a
0: really, really rough future for them. Oh man, I feel sorry for you, dude. Not really. No, you don't. We no, you don't. Suck it because you deserve to be <laughs> on that basement floor for you know many, many years, <laughs> you bastard. I've seen too much of the celebrating on your end. But quick note before we get out of here. I mean, Dion Jones, this was interesting. I mean, uh, uh Jeff Schultz, he reported that the departure from Atlanta is likely imminent for Dion Jones. And I looked it up. He's got $20 million cap hit this season. And we know the, the dumpster fire that Atlanta could potentially be because they're blowing this whole thing up and they want to rebuild and we get it. So why have a hot commodity like a Dion Jones on your roster, eating up dollars? I completely understand that, but who's going to trade for a $20 million cap hit at this point of the season for a linebacker who is still one of the purest uh, middle linebackers in the league. I I love me some Dion Jones. I mean, selfishly, again, I'm going to say I want him in Buffalo because he's a great player, but I mean, Jesus, like where does he go and, and what would they get in return? You got to think at least a second round pick ought to be coming back for him. I would
1: think so. And right now there are two teams in the league that could afford him. That's the Browns and the Panthers. And I think both would be the Browns would probably be my pick. I think the Browns with what they're, what they're doing on the offensive side of the ball, bulk up that defense. I think the Browns would be a great pick. Um, but, I mean, every other team is so strapped for cash right now. It's tough to take on that kind of cap space.
0: Why are you, why are you trying to fill up the AFC even more than it is, man, given the Browns? Because and my Patriots back. are out of the question, so Christ. I don't really care at this point. Let's Christ, go. Build man. up the AFC. Put them with the Panthers, man. Make that defense even more stout than it already <laughs> is. Like, get the hell out of here, man. Where the AFC is enough is enough as it is. Speaking of those Panthers, we still got some time. <laughs> I mean, Sam Darnold, man. He's confident that he could be the best quarterback in the league, Chris. That's what he said, quote unquote. And I mean, I got a chuckle out of that. Um, Okay. But what is he supposed to say? I suck. And I'm, I'm
1: confident that I could, I could be a PGA Tour player.
0: <laughs> God, you're harsh on people today, man. Holy shit. <laughs> but I mean, okay. Sammy Darnold, we get you, man. You're trying to pump up your tires because this is likely your last kick at the can. I mean, what's his leash, Chris? Six games? I would say so, you know, I mean, you go ahead and you draft a rookie quarterback
1: too. So, I mean, and a lot of it is not necessarily on him. It is on the play calling because the play calling just shit the bed after like five or six weeks last year. So as long as they keep to the script of what they did in the beginning of the last season, I think the job is his to keep for the rest of the year.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I think that, you know, it's it's a tough one in Carolina. I feel sorry for you, Panther fans, because Matt rules on the hot seat. You have a great defense. CMC is likely not playing in the preseason again, so they can save him for the right. year. It's all on Sam Darnold. I'm not a Darnold hater. I liked what he did when he started out the year last year. He was playing very he's, well.
1: He's a good quarterback. He's mobile. Good. You know, he can yeah. get you the rushing yards if you need to.
0: It's just you need to call plays to fit his skill set. Correct. Yeah. Don't stay, don't get out of the box. It's kind of like a Baker Mayfield syndrome. Stay in the box yeah. and you'll do very well. The play action pass and finding your wide receivers downfield. I mean Good God, man! Why don't these guys figure this out already? But maybe they want to sabotage Darnold because they want to see what they got in Matt Corral too. Who knows, man?
1: Maybe, Ru- maybe Matt Rule wants to get fired mid-season. Who knows? Maybe,
0: maybe, maybe he does. Maybe that's his goal too. With his college job coming his way, but that's all I got, buddy. I
1: mean, that's all I got. You want to end the show bashing my Patriots, so I'm going to go in the corner <laughs> and cry.
0: Hey, you know what? You did it for me for a very long time. So go fuck yourself with your Patriots. Fair enough. <laughs> There it is anyway, man. So you know what? On that note, that is the show. Thanks so much for tuning in, man. To all listeners, thank you for all the support. And we'll see you next time. Stay safe and be kind to each other. I'm out.